This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Gabby Barr, and I am joined by Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you doing today? Gabby, doing great. Coming off a great Thanksgiving holiday here in uh, in the Carolinas. Had some family up, had some friends over, just a good time, a little reflection time. We were, uh, Connie and I were the youngest people in the house. So uh, it was, it was, uh, it was fun, you know, just kicking back and kind of going slow with the day and taking care of some folks who needed it. So had a good time, but super glad to be getting going again. It seems like forever since we did our last one. And I think it's been a week and a half. So. Glad to get going. But today we got a really, really cool guest, a fellow who I've gotten to know over the last year or so. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. We're probably going to learn a thing or two. Fantastic. Well, like Greg said, I am excited to introduce Jason Saunders. He is the president of Indoor Environmental Services. Jason, how are you doing today? I am great. Uh, Fat and happy coming off the Thanksgiving holiday. So, uh, yeah, getting back in the saddle and uh, excited to chat with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Well, Jason, we're glad you're here. I don't know. Gabby and I probably couldn't ask for a better way to kick off our week, but, you know, that may be not so well said for you. But we uh, definitely appreciate you taking time to join us. Just wanted to to have you on and talk about some of the different things you know, you and I share a lot of things where we where we kind of came from in our past and how we got to where we are. And why don't you kick us off and, and uh, tell us how you wound up being the president of a really cool HVAC company? Man, the the, uh, the Cliff Notes version. I uh, barely got out of high school and uh, realized college was not for me. So I went uh, went to a tech school. I actually went to the uh, original Wyoming Technical Institute in Laramie, Wyoming, and got a degree in diesel technology and business management. Did about four or five years in the power generation industrial equipment field and had a, uh, a couple buddies that were in the pipe fitter plumbers union and were sitting around drinking a beer one afternoon and, and they were complaining about their $19 raise and how it just wasn't enough. And I about fell out of my chair when, when they had complained about that. So it took me a year of uh, begging and uh, pleading, and uh, they gave me a list of names of folks I knew. After a year's worth of effort, ended up at a, a small union shop here in, in uh, Northern California uh, called Thermal Air, and uh, got started there. And uh, the irony of it is that my very first day at Thermal Air, uh, the owner came out, introduced a handful of new employees, and also announced to the, the team that uh, the company had been bought by IES and that we would be merging in 30 days. So that was my f- my first day in the trade. And yeah, started off in a, in a truck, uh, ended up uh, going from a service technician to uh, owner direct uh, project and maintenance sales rep. Did that for a, a few years and um, found a niche in operations and uh, ended up back as superintendent in, in service and uh, superintendent to assistant service manager to service manager to VP of service to director of ops and, and kind of up through the ranks, really. Um, 15 years later, I'm I'm the president. So time flies when you're having fun. 
and uh, I'm fortunate to, to have such a good team here and, and be afforded the opportunities that uh, I've been afforded. So that's 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 my short version, Greg. Sorry, that was a long one, but it is short. Well, I, I love that story because I too barely got out of high school. So you you had me at, you had me on the jump from that part. But um, yeah. so first of all, I'm I'm glad to get to work with you because you know you and I are peers now because Service Logic owns IES. So uh, that's really fun for for us to be able to come together. But what's interesting to me. When I look at our companies, and there's 53, I think, right now, brands that we represent uh, under the Service Logic umbrella. When I look at the president's roles, uh, you know, they're they're really bifurcated. You either have technical presidents like yourself, or you have more sales and engineering presidents. It's wild when you think about it. And I know you got to talk to some of the younger folks. Uh, I saw your arrogant picture y'all posted, your <laughs> Young Guns Club. Yeah. Um, with with you and some of the younger presidents. Uh, what what I find really interesting is the number of steps that are required from the technician to the president's role or, or even, a you know, a, a, any leadership role. Uh, there's so many darn steps to go through because we have so much to learn, you know, when. And, and you and I share that, you know, we started in the truck, go through the union thing. There, there's so many steps to go through because we're simply not taught a lot of business or human side of the equation. We're taught theory and, and air conditioning and, uh, you know, combustion and all, all the things that make systems work. Yeah. But we historically haven't done a very good job of educating uh, people on dealing with people and yep. people dealing with businesses and bankers and, and those relationships that become so important. The further you move away from the windshield of the service truck, the more those relationships matter. So, you know, I, I think for the sales model, people who went the sales or engineering route and wound up as a president, you know, they tended to be more socially skilled than we as technicians are from the from the get-go simply because of the route but i i love the the multi-step you know you you said in your introduction that you found your niche in, in operations and i think that's so important that we have strong operations leaders either in a president's role or in a uh, number two or, or you know vice president's role because that's what makes service companies click. What's your take on what I just said? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think one of the unique things about the the mechanical contracting trades, um, in my experience, is just the the various routes you can take. I've I've been mentored by um, folks that started in in the truck and worked their way through, or uh, sales. Um, I've seen you know. Uh, educated uh, engineers lead lead businesses, um, and so there's really not a dedicated path, right? I, I think that if you have a passion for what you're doing, a desire to to continue to learn and, and push yourself and step out of your comfort zone, um, I think that the trade as a whole affords a lot of opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I could not agree more. And do I think they teach? You know, the the irony is, as I mentioned, you know, I, college wasn't for me. One of one of my thoughts at that time was. You know, man, there's just no way I could sit at a desk eight hours a day 
uh, for the rest of my life. Right. And so jokes on me, uh, 20 years later, I sit at a desk 12 hours a day and I rarely talk about air conditioning. I, I, I really, it's just maybe 5% of the job. Um, you know, it's more of, uh, the, the, the people side, the business side, like you said, the banking relationship, uh, uh, ARAP balances, um, you know, there's, there's much more to it. Um, all of which, uh, I got zero education at a technical school on. And so really, like I said, I've been fortunate to have been afforded a great mentor or five throughout my career that were willing to invest. Um, if I was willing to put the time in and, and put the work in, they, they were willing to invest. So, you know, some of those mentors actually are, are service logic leaders in, in some of our other business entities. The guy that took me out of a, out of a truck and, and put me in sales uh, is a gentleman named Mark Sampaio. He works for Brian Cox Mechanical down in San Diego and, you know, has remained a mentor of mine to, to this day and had a, had a very similar path to, to you and I as well, started in a truck into, into sales, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I, I love the trade, man. It's a, it's one of the, the last blue collar trades I think out there that you could just make a killing at. And if you're willing to strap it on and, and go to work day after day and, and, uh, do the best, uh, you can do day after day, you, you tend to be pretty successful. Yeah. Agreed. One thing to reiterate, we collectively in our companies have proven that there's at least 53 ways to do it right. You know, because when you and I were last together, we were in Arizona for our, our annual meeting with, with everybody, 275 or so people. I was sitting there listening to the conversations and, and Gabby, what happens is all the, all the presidents uh, like, like Jason get up and they give a, a kind of a state of the union of their company in a, in a very brief format, what's going on, what they're going to do next year, yada, yada, yada. Really interesting. And, and what's really interesting to me is to be able to sit back and listen to these 50 men uh, and, and some of the ladies talk about what they're doing. And, it, and to Jason's point, it's all under the HVAC umbrella, but it's all different stuff. It's really cool when you think about how dispersed the opportunities are for people to learn, for people to get training, for people to sell, for promotion. It's really, really, and, and y'all both know I'm passionate about the trades as well. So I, I just think it's a blast that we get to hear so many different ways to do it right. Whether it's you go through the, the truck and the windshield to get to your position or you go through engineering school or whatever, um, you learn so much along the way, but if I could speak to that, Greg, what's amazing is, you know, you look at the diversity in those, those companies under the umbrella and some, some, some of these companies specialize in nothing but cooling towers and fluid coolers. Right. And that's all they do. You know, it's, it's part of our business. It's a, it's a small portion. Um, we, we have a, a very, um, diverse market offering. We, we, everything from wineries to pharmaceutical to agro science, et cetera, um, and it's one of the things I get pretty excited about when I get talking to young potential new hires or, or greenies that we're looking to bring in the trade is, you know, people hear HVAC and it's like, okay, hot air, cold air. It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. You know, I've, I've enjoyed genuinely been interested in learning how a vintner or wine master uh, processes their wine and, and why do they want to cool it to what temperature and how fast and how that impacts the, the flavor of their, their product. You know, I, I could spend, eight hours talking about 
wine production and, and uh, tartaric acids and, and the impact of temperature to flavor. Um, and, and we're in Napa Valley. It's one of, you know, we're, we're a pretty big contractor up in that North Bay and uh, part have been fortunate to partner with some pretty big wineries. And uh, it's just interesting. I mean, I, I love it. And that's just one small segment of, of the trade. So, yeah, a lot of diversity. It, it's, it's been fun. You know, to your point, I, I think a lot of people do think about hot addicts and crawl spaces when they hear HVAC. And I've never personally, I've never been paid to be in an attic. I've been in addicts before, but it's usually for free, like either mine or, or somebody I know. But, um, you know, whether it's data center, agriculture, medical science, I mean, there's so many different fun ways and when when I think about my career and I think about the the people that I'm uh, I'm are in the like my normal bubble, they're they're in all kinds of different things from data center to MRI, you know, uh, cannabis growing, and I, I'm so much of a believer of indoor farming is going to be a huge piece of our world, not just growing weed but growing vegetables for human consumption. So I, I'm fascinated by that, um, the, the whole fertigation and uh, the humidity control. That to me is also what I talk to young people about, about the trades, of, of the diversification that you can learn. And with the labor shortage that you know about as well as anybody, <clears throat> there there's an opportunity for us to really highlight the upside to our industry of what people can do if they choose to come and, and join us. And yeah, yeah you're going to learn the boring crap about air conditioning people. You know, that's so freaking easy. If you think about it in the grand scheme of things of what we're trying to do, we're taking 20 degrees worth of heat out of a room and blowing it outside one means or another. Yep. But when you're talking about, humidity control, outside air, all the things that really are, are you know, the, to me, the funner piece of it, that's when it really gets like we're cooking, you know, like that's what stimulates my brain, not blowing, you know, 58 degree air out of a damn duct over some bald six year old guy's head. Yeah, the different products, again, you know, it's uh, comfort coolings, you know, it's fun. Um, but yeah, we, we have a large agro science um, portfolio as well um, with um, some of the big players. And, and yeah, these are mega farms in the Central Valley growing cantaloupe and watermelon and cucumbers and, and you, you name it. Um, and we, we get to be in very um, precise um, environments um, and we're tasked with controlling very, very closely um, a specific uh, temperature, humidity, et cetera, for, for them to understand uh, how best to grow their, their produce. So um, yeah, it's, it's a blast. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's a trade that could be misunderstood at times. Uh, Cause I think, you know, out on the streets, people ask me what, what I do I, heating, air conditioning. Oh, that's cool. You know, and it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool, but think about everything in the world that needs to be heated or cooled. You would be shocked at, at some of the stuff we get to be involved in. So yeah, I think that um, a lot of people looking for a career, et cetera, don't don't understand how com complex, diverse, exciting, and challenging the the trade could be. And it's and it's 
one of the top paying trades. Um, in Northern California, I think we have three out of five of the highest paid pipe trades union employees in the world. Um, you know, we're, we're out of the North Bay, East Bay area, South Bay, uh, Sacramento Valley. We have three offices. So, you know, we're all over Northern California. The cost of living here is not cheap. But yeah, I mean, in after a five-year apprenticeship, you can make $200,000. That's not a bad living for a 23, 25-year-old uh, individual, right? Um, with Cadillac Healthcare and yeah, Gabby, are you looking for a job? We'd, we're looking for hard workers. So far, you've you've, you've been stellar today. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 great healthcare, take home truck, gas card tools, uh, uniforms, and uh, and like you said, Greg, it's it's tough to find individuals that are willing to uh, put the effort in to to be successful uh, in the trade right now. So, well, we'll just have to keep digging and have to keep talking about it. Um, which it's a whole nother dang podcast worth of conversation. It is. Yeah. You've mentioned earlier, Jason, and, and I know that, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before the mentors you had, uh, Senpaio being one of them. So what did you take away from your mentors or what do you take away? And I've often asked people when you get this worldly advice from mentors how do you juxtapose that to what you've been thinking about? And how do you blend all that together to come up with a formula that you trust enough in to, you know, make the leap and follow that advice? Yeah, I think I, I have been fortunate, uh, first and foremost, to have guys that that truly would empower you to make the, the decision you, fe you felt best, but firm enough to challenge you and, and uh, uh, critique and, and kind of talk through. Uh, why you feel a certain way about a certain topic. Um, sometimes it, it, to an extreme, right? Per paralysis by analysis. But in hindsight, what I find interesting is, is probably the, the three mentors that I've had, you know, all skin the cat per se, three different ways. They all had three different outlooks on how to run a service business. And now 15 years later, the, the irony is you kind of deduce the same outcome by all all three outlooks, right? Um, they had their own way of running a KPI and workloads and pull-through ratios and you know, gross profits, et cetera. And, and kind of when you back into them, they all tie out to each other's math. And I kind of remember the realization of, oh, wow, there's, you know, I got three really smart guys. They know way more than me. They're all saying the same thing three different ways. And, and I kind of like X, Y, and Z and ABC from this guy and that guy. And you put them together and I now have you know, kind of my mix of, of how I approach the business and, and what I believe uh, works. But the irony is you could probably tie my philosophies and math out to the, their three principles um, and they would all all tie together. So, yeah, just just been been fortunate to have uh, guys sharing sharing their knowledge, really. Yeah, I kind of go with that summation of what you just said to me is trust, but verify and and kind of you go with it because you know you believe in them and then but you want to weigh your stuff against it you know like that i was i don't know why in the world i was thinking about this this morning but i was thinking about burdened costs per hour this is how crazy i am gabby i'm laying in bed about to get up and i got to take my car to the dealership and what have you but i'm sitting there thinking about burdened costs per hour and how many man hours in a year just i'm like dude 
what are you doing? You're not even, you don't have to do this right now, but I was stuck on this problem internally. And I swear, man, I went back to like 15 years ago and I used my equation that I had in my head when I ran my company. And as soon as I got in the office, I, I kind of put that up on the wall against what we use as service logic. It's the same outcome. It's just a different formula of getting there. So I, I think there are tried and true methods, but, you know, we're a heck of a lot smarter as a company than my damn little company was, I promise you. But it's cool that you also have that correlation between what worked, you know, as a 40-man operation versus what works for 6,600 people and and the numbers work out to be the same. So pretty, pretty cool. And I was glad to kind of check that off mentally where I could get on with my day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what's interesting about the trade is there's so much that I would say is the same um, from, from the good old days. Um, and then it's always changing and ever, ever changing. And it's kind of a mix of pushing the limits of, of technology and resources that uh, you can use to uh, help with efficiencies or standardization of processes um, versus, you know, what's always worked. Um, I think I spoke to it uh, at that president's meeting. I actually started off my kind of spiel with, you know, there's 50, 53 folks in this room and we're throwing all of our KPIs up and we're dead smack in the middle of it. I mean, we're IES's main KPIs that we run the business on or within a hundredth of a, of a point uh, or a tenth of a percent. I mean, the, it's just amazing to see uh, a culmination of so many great minds and businesses that are so diverse and different offerings running at the same gross profits, running with similar pull-through ratios, running with similar growth metrics and numbers. Um, and it's, it's, it was a blast to sit down, have a beer and talk shop uh, for a week. Um, and everyone's approach is different. But yet our, our results are very, very, very similar. Um, and I just felt very empowered by that. Um, and there's just such a wealth of wealth of knowledge there to tap into as well. So, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. You know what the common denominator is, those 2,080 man hours per year per, per tech. Yeah. So when you use that metric as a baseline, you can call, I mean, you're going to, let, let's say you use 2000 versus 2080 with, with holidays or what have you. But that puts everything in the realm of a pretty equal center point to make all of your formulations work. So it's pretty, pretty cool. All right. What, what do you think about recruiting and how are you recruiting? And you know, we talked a little bit about making sure that people knew that there was a, a wide berth of opportunity within the trade, you know, and you being a union contractor out there on the West Coast, how do you have to recruit? Does the, does the local do a good job with you guys? How are y'all positioned? Yeah, so some of our local partnerships are very strong and, and good. They, they have a, a great... Uh, group of folks that, that have a, a nice stable of uh, people looking to get into the trade. More times than not, we, especially in the last couple of years, we've had to find our own talent. Um, and so we've gone about that, everything from Craigslist ads to Indeed. Heck, I've, you know, disconnect my laptop, gone and, and sat at the local parts house for an afternoon. And I've actually sat in the parking lot, right? Step one, what's the guy's van look like? Hey, look at that. It's 
looks t- tidy, well washed, his uniforms tucked in, etc. Great start, right? And uh, jump out of the truck, hand him a card, and, and tell him a little bit about the company and our culture, what we're looking for, and uh, and gone from there. Um, we've you know we've had a lot of success hiring a guy um, from a residential non-union shop, uh, for example, and he's uh, been a stud and stellar. He fits our culture. Within three months, he's telling his uh, buddies at his old place how great life is and usually can pick up one, two, three guys in, in that fashion. But it, it takes time. I mean, my foreman, uh, I meet with on a regular basis and they have to schedule time. If you're not spending time recruiting, you know, if you don't recruit or look for talent until you need it, you're, you're, you're behind the, the curve, right? So you got to- years, yeah. Years, but yeah. So you got to be, you know, always be looking. And um, when you find a guy, um, you know, I have faith in our sales team uh, as an organization to keep our teams busy. And sometimes you got to hire a guy before you have you have the work. Um, but he's a guy you know you're going to need, a uh, guy that you believe uh, you can count on moving forward in your organization. And um, you got to bet on him, right, in order to get him to to bet on you. So a little bit of everything, man. I mean, I wish I had secret sauce. One of my favorite places I, I would tell you is like a Jiffy Lube. Again, clean cut, well mannered, polite, well spoken kid, uh, making more or less minimum wage. Likes to work on cars, etc. Hey, man. You know, let, let's talk. Let me tell you a little bit about a trade that's real similar to this and, and pays you about five times as much. We've done well with that as well. And, and you know, I'm always getting oil changed on on cars, et cetera. So it's pretty easy. Yeah, I, I think I call that guerrilla tactics because I think that, that works really well, uh, especially from to your point, the, the car dealership, you know, or, or the automotive places car washes, you know, I've, I've found those kids that really hustle. Outback Steakhouse, you know, the lady who brought the food through the car, you know, hell, you just look for stuff anywhere you can find it, but you know what looks and feels good. I've said for a long time, you know, hire, hire the attitude with aptitude, right? I could teach you how to fix an air conditioner. At the end of the day, it's, you know, technical. Sure, it's not that hard, right? There's a process. There's, heck, manuals that tell you how to do it. Um, but I can't teach you or make you uh, be polite, well-spoken, good communicator, um, hardworking, punctual, um, you know, the, the soft skill sets. Right. And so to your point, you know, like you said, Outback Steakhouse, Jiffy Lube, whatever that is, you know, I'm usually not impressed by the, hey, look at how clean my oil is. That That's the least of my worries. Right. It's, hey, this kid came out, communicated well, spoke well, looked me in the eyes, shook my hand, thanked me for the business. Uh, open the door for me, et cetera, that those type of skill sets go a long way. So I'm curious, you know, we, I talked to Eric Bolin, our, our fellow who runs our edge platform, which is our in-house training program. I talked to Eric a lot about the soft skills that, you know, are so important in every role, not just technical, but, you know, we've got project managers who are the same age of technicians who think looking at the top of their shoes and their shoelaces is good communication, you know, and, and Shane, we talked about Shane and his lack of barbecue knowledge, but he has really good knowledge in how to help people communicate when they're in the sales role. And I hope that, um, and I'd be curious of your take on this, are the skilled trades uh, programs being union, non-union, tech schools, what have you, 
even OEM schools are are they in your mind leaning towards making sure that we're teaching young folks how to communicate as well as how to replace the proper circuit board? I think broadly and probably unfairly, no. Uh, it's not talked about. It's not discussed enough. Um, do I think that there's a, a night's worth of curriculum in a five-year apprenticeship that says, hey, customer service, right? Sure. You know, it's a five-year apprenticeship of going over intimate details of equipment is what it takes to be a competent journeyman, right? And then you spend a career trying to trying to learn the rest. Um, and that's, in, in my opinion, 40% of the job. I, I think over half of it is the soft skills, communication, paperwork, et cetera. So um, it, it's not taught enough. Ironically, I actually spend time at some of my local union partners teaching a class to first year guys. It's a kind of a HVAC business behind the scenes. This is, this is how things really work, guys. You know, I, I started off with look around the room in front of you to your left, to your right, et cetera. And there'll probably be 50% of you guys will be gone uh, by the time you graduate in five years. Uh, life happens, right? This trade's not for everyone in the room. I wish it was, um, but decisions you make outside of work, in work, day to day, going out and partying the night before, showing up to work hungover, whatever that is, impact your career and your future in this trade. And it's a, it's a pretty nitty gritty, uh, very blue collar discussion. I, I don't hold a whole lot back. In almost every single one of my opportunities to be promoted, I had to take a pay cut. That's just what it was. Um, now the, the opportunity was bet on yourself. If if I succeed and hit the numbers or get the result, then you make more. Sure. Sometimes I, I made more. Other times I, I didn't. But that's just how it is. When I was an apprentice, I carried my journeyman's tools to the rooftop. I didn't care. I didn't care if the apprentices uh, thought I was the journeyman's uh, gopher or, you know, had an opinion on it. It really didn't matter. Um, at the end of the day, uh, when there was a job to be done, I, I would be preferred. I'd be willing to give a little bit of time to get the job done. And I stayed very busy. I think that there is a lack of discussion on the topic of customer service and, and really what it takes to make it in the trade. I love that you do that. I think that's so impactful. Um, I, I worked when I was an apprentice, I worked for a company that did have good customer service. I don't want to call it a culture, but it was a mindset. Yeah. So we, we learned early, you know, how to, how to operate in a service environment. Um, there's a friend of mine, Butch D. He works for actually works for our competitor in, in uh, Pittsburgh. But he and I have been friends for many, many years. And Butch uh, does a customer service class for apprentices at local. Uh, I think it's 449 up in Pittsburgh. But when I was in my own business, when I ran it, I hired Butch a couple of times to come down. And, and on his vacation days and, and do in-house training for us on that topic. I can talk about it. And you know this as, as being the boss. You can talk about stuff that just, you, you know, eventually you wind up sounding like Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown's mom. But when you bring in someone to focus on a topic, you know, it, a lot of times it has a really nice impact. And we did that with Butch a few times. And I still keep in touch with some of those young guys we had back then. And that was an impactful day for them. Or, you know, we've done stuff like taking a dollar bill and cutting it up into a hundred pieces. 
and then showing where those percentages of that dollar bill go to, whether it be pay, truck, insurance, all those different buckets. When when because you just don't get that when you're learning, you know, vapor compression cycles in school. But it's super important as a, as a worker to understand why it matters to get done in eight hours when the job was, you know, based on eight hours work. So yeah. I, just, I think all that's good. So I applaud you for, for taking time to do that. It should be mandatory probably for locals, but. Yeah, I'm pushing, right? It's a, it's a start. I think, um, you know, I think it's becoming more of a prevalent topic. Um, and I think that the customers' um, expectations of their vendors, whether, whether it's a mechanical or janitorial landscape, is significantly higher than it used to be. Transparency is demanded, uh, communications expected, um, and so, and I think that that's why we've we've fared well in our markets as we you know focused on those things, um, and we're early adopters of technology that 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 afforded great communication and transparency. So, yeah, I, I think that we're going to get there one way or another. Um, do I wish local partners, even my technical school, right? Wyotech. Yeah, we talk customer service, but not real life. You know, hey, uh, start a conversation off with a smile. Look them in the eyes, you know, but that's, heck, 25 years ago. But yeah, couldn't agree more. So we, I brought in customers to do the same thing, like good, trusted customers. You know, I brought them in. David Kidd's the guy that comes to mind, been a customer and a friend for, God, I don't know since 1999 would just pitch questions to him like david what what matters when you're running a data center that has multi-million dollar impact you know when you're down what matters to you and he's like you know really little stuff like knowing where the heck you're at and what you're planning on doing that day and you know just the basic communication skills that we take for granted a lot of time so I, I love that piece of it. That's one of the things, Greg, I, I would say, I mean, to your listeners that are interested in this stuff, I, I think we take a lot of things for granted with our customers as a whole. Um, I think the simple question of and, and brush up of what is your expectation? The smallest of things matter, right? And in the data center, oh, hey, by the way, make sure you have a fire permit and the fire suppression systems locked out, tag, tagged out. Um, boy, oh, boy, that could make or break a day real quick. And, you know, customers and it changes, right? The customer gets a new boss. Sometimes your guy all of a sudden has a new owner um, and things change. And if you don't ask, um, you usually get left in the dust, right? Um, so, yeah, com the communication's key for sure. Yeah, it, it's amazing to me how company dynamics can change, not with their SOP manual of how you act when you're on campus, but how you act with a certain facility manager running that SOP, you know, and, and it's just like us. I mean, there's different personalities and different roles and you have to really understand that. I mean, I've got a dear friend who got fired because he had a subcontractor that threw the wrong circuit breaker. This guy was a vice president for a well-known data center. He had the SOP and, and they just didn't follow it, but you know, People lose jobs over stuff like that, let alone their life if you have an electrical event. But got to communicate for sure. Yeah. Jason, I'm, I'm really curious. I've been thinking about this since we started talking, but the team you've got there, IES. So first of all, I guess I'll ask, how do you think they perceive you as a leader? Um, <laughs> uh -oh. and, and 
I don't mean that you're a hard ass because I know you are when you need to be and, and you're a big old teddy bear when you need oh, yeah. to be. But how do you think your team looks at you as a guy who understands many aspects of the business that you run? Man, I, um, I would hope fair uh, and firm. Um, you know, I've coined a saying or heard it or stolen it recently. Um, you know, I, I tend to focus a lot of time in a couple core competencies. One is uh, measurable, sustainable, and repeatable, right? If I could spend some time uh, measuring a business, uh, desire, outcome, et cetera, understanding how to repeat it, good and or bad, right? How to avoid the bad scenario. And then is that a sustainable practice, right? Is this because one time, hey, wow, we did it once doesn't do you a lot of good. And then I, I try to spend a bit of time getting down to kind of the facts and away from feelings, right? And so my team at times, you know, I'll stop a conversation mid-sentence where, I, you know, I'll hear something like, uh, I, I think, or I'm, I'm pretty sure, or I, if I remember right, the uh, pressure drop was X. It's like, well, time out. Let's, let's get to the bottom. I, I'm, I'm not a point the finger and, and blame by any means. We make mistakes. I've, I make them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. But the value in the exercise is understanding how you had success or how um, you had a failure, right? Some of our failures, uh-oh, cost millions of dollars. Uh, throughout the years, right? That, that's one heck of a college education. Um, so let's let's learn from it. At very least, we, we spent $200,000 in a pipe that broke and blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Let's figure out how that is never going to happen again. Um, and I'm not there to berate or beat someone over the head, but usually there's there's a cause, right? Whether it's a safety issue or, or a job that went sideways. And so I, I would hope that, you know, my, my team feels... Um, supported. I'm, I'm definitely a from the trade guy, you know, come, come in my office, stand on my desk, yell, scream, cuss it. Let's get, let's get through this. Right. I, I would hope that I'm approachable and uh, a fun, honestly, you know, I kind of look at the team and, you know, my job is to work for them, empower them to succeed, help undercover or uncover, identify roadblocks or obstacles they're facing, do the best I can to overcome those obstacles with them. If, if they're, come to work, having fun, feel empowered um, and invested in, they're going to go kick some ass, man. And if they're winning, then typically the company and, and, and myself are, are, are doing the right things and, and we're winning. So uh, it, it kind of boil it down to as basic as you can. You know, I, I want, want the employees to come to work, feel valued because I'm blessed to have such a great team uh, around me um, of guys that I've worked with for years, uh, some of which I work for right? Um, jokes on them. Now, now they work for me. So pay, payback's coming right now. Uh, but no, they're great guys, uh, wealth and knowledge. They compliment, compliment me, uh, well, and I don't want a bunch of yes, man. Um, I, I appreciate different, uh, perspectives from different corners of the room. I definitely have blinders on in some disciplines and scenarios as, as do they, um, and, uh, constructive, you know, criticism and, and healthy skepticism, pushing back on each other um, and then making a collaborative decision for the for the benefit of our uh, customers and, and collective employee workforce is the best we could do. So, yeah, sorry for the long winded answer, but I, I think that's what what I hope they would say anyway. Well, I think it's consistent with what I hear them say when I talk to others that, that work at IES. You know, you, you bring up a point that 
we don't do enough these days, which is get in a room and have a real conversation because everybody's so damn scared of hurting each other's feelings. But when you can gather a group of adults that have an adult mindset that can have conversation without getting rattled, man, you can come up with some really interesting ways to solve problems. And I'm not going to get into the whole social dilemma of feelings and what have you, because that's a tar pit you never get out of these days. But just having a group, you know, from from the different disciplines within your business to sit there and talk about a problem. And and, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier with your mentors. Take a little bit of A, B and C, a little bit X, Y and Z and put it together and see what works best, not you know, what hoop you can jump through or whatever, but what are we trying to solve and have a real conversation? Like there's things that we all suck at. And if we can embrace the suck long enough for me to listen to you and you help get through my thick head of why that's not a good idea and me be open to it and say, you know what, you're right. And and you come up with a real solution. I just... I feel bad that we've kind of got ourselves into a, a, a corner as a populace where we, we can't do that as freely. And I hope that people build their infrastructure of people where you can do that in a safe environment to solve problems for your customer. You know, what, like what you guys do at IES as a service logic company it doesn't matter to service logic as long as you're doing it legally and ethically and for the right reason. We're not going to tell you how to go solve that $200,000 broken pipe MBA program you just bought for five people. But, you know, that's what it can boil down to if you use it the right way. And it's mechanical. We are going to have problems. We are going to break. We are going to have to fix stuff. It's going to be ugly sometimes, but I think your point of getting to the root cause, sharing the root cause unegotistically, unbashingly, and take it for what you're, you know, I remember so well a couple of really bad things that happened for contractors I worked for. I'll tell you a quickie as we get, we're coming up on the top of the hour, but I worked for a company in the Atlanta market that when they were bidding Concourse E at Hartsfield Airport, which is a big concourse, when they were putting the labor estimate together, the damn man hours did not carry over into the estimate. So day one, before anybody set foot on the job, they were over a million dollars in the hole. And the company, uh, you know, tried to, say, hey, we screwed up. Can we get out of this? And because it was a public deal, they said, no, you can't get out of it. You're bound to the agreement. Our, our company manned up or womaned up and we went to work and we broke even on that job uh, because they outsmarted some of the problems. We worked three years for free, but the reputation was intact. But there was a lot of lessons learned from that, like backup software, more than one set of eyes on X, Y, Z. So I think that if we take our, our challenges and, and 
that we talk about doing stuff like this all the time. Learn from your mistakes, but are we really learning from them? So if you are, God bless you. God bless anybody willing to invest in themselves through just being laying your ego at the door and, and having a little humility and saying, yep, blew that one. Let's learn something from it. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm fortunate to be surrounded by a bunch of guys that are way smarter than me. And, uh, you know, I want to be a steward of that communication. Um, I want to ask hard questions and expect uh, hard questions to be asked of me. And at the end of the day, let's let's leave the room, understand what we're going to do different, call call a very clear, loud and play and let's go kick some butt. No, no crying over spilt milk. Right. You learn, learn from it. Let's let's not knock the cup over again. It's hand to hand combat out there. The, the market is uh, brutal and uh, you got to pick yourself up and and get back after it. So, yeah, I love it. Well, man, I love that mentality. I love what you're doing out there. I love that you're with us doing it and that I get to watch you guys perform because we have, you know, I, I think I told you this. Uh, if not, I will now. But I'm so proud of our young uh, presidents that are coming into our companies because we have a lot of great legacy companies. But people age out, you know, my peers, baby boomers are ready to go. And um, it's so important for us from a, a, a continuity uh, for a culture, for customer service. There's a lot of reasons that we have to make sure that the, the right folks are winding up in the right seats. And I'm just so thrilled with, with some of the latest things that are going on in our companies. You and, you know, I know that uh, y'all have the tall club. Gabby, you all know this, and Jason's like seven feet tall. Um, <laughs> he's a big boy. Yeah. But so there, him and, and two of our other presidents, Kevin and uh, Craig Harrison at HVH, they are all standing there side by side, and they're literally all like six foot six. It was like take a normal human beside them, and it looked like a little kid beside them. But yeah, we're starting a basketball team, a, a company basketball team's been the, the MO. So travel costs may be a bitch on that. I'm not, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. We're looking for a local league, that's the problem. We're, we're spread across the country, yeah, though. There's Four presidents under forty, all over six four. That's the statistics. So. Oh yeah, Jonathan, I forgot. Yeah. 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 Well, again, I'm I'm proud for what you guys are getting to do, and it's fun to be uh, working with you doing it. So, but I really, uh, I just I want to say thank you for taking time with us today and talking a little bit about how you got here and what what makes you tick and what makes IES tick so well and. Thank you. Um, hats off to you, my friend. Yeah. Thank, thanks for having me. And yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting trade. You know, the future uh, for, for IES service logics looking pretty dang bright nowadays. And so just uh, blessed to have the opportunities again, laid out in front of me and, and continue to network and, and uh, work with a lot of the peers I've gotten to meet the last year has been, been absolutely stellar. So thank you for, your support and, and belief and, and the opportunity to come on this show and talk shop, man. It's always a good time. Absolutely is. Well, Gabby, there you go. We're uh, wrapping up another, uh, what I like to refer to as a beautiful podcast. So you may have other. 
for it. <laughs> well, I agree with your description of it, Greg. I think it is also a beautiful podcast. Um, so to wrap up, like Greg said, another beautiful episode. Uh, Jason, thanks again for joining us. It's been really great listening to your story as well as, you know, hearing how you recruit, hearing what, you know, your leadership style is like and how your colleagues and employees are, are responding to it. It's always great to always great to learn something new and to hear a different perspective. So thank you again for that. As for everyone else, thank you for joining us for another episode of Straight Outta Crumpton. For more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe through Apple or Spotify podcasts. And don't forget to check out gregcrumpton.com for all of your Greg Crumpton content.